Welcome to Fossils and Fiction, a podcast exploring cultural and scientific ideas about dinosaurs. Hi there, I'm Travis Holland. Welcome to the second season of Fossils and Fiction, a podcast of conversations about dinosaurs and other prehistoric animals. First up, I want to thank those of you who joined me for Season 1 and are now back for Season 2. When I started this podcast, I had a vague idea that I would use it to ask interesting questions of interesting people about some of my favourite topics. And I had a really excellent guests who agreed to join me last year and do just that. Fortunately, this year it seems like a trend that will continue. Before we get to today's guest, I want to thank the South Australian Museum, and in particular their senior researcher, Diego Garcia Bellido. Diego generously gave me some time last week to talk about one of the museum's current exhibitions and also one of his research passions, Idiocaran fossils, of which the South Australian Museum has plenty on display. Unfortunately, I had a technical hiccup, and so unfortunately I cannot bring you that interview. However, I really want to encourage you to visit the South Australian Museum, and in particular, if you can get there before February 5, check out the Six Extinctions exhibit. This exhibit links the five historical mass extinctions known from the fossil record to the sixth, underway now, thanks to humans. Diego wanted to impart a message of hope. There are things we can do to stop and slow these extinctions. We all need to play our part. The interview I can bring you today features multi-talented entertainer and science communicator Michael Mills. Michael is the creative director of Heaps Good Productions. He also styles himself Vice-Chancellor of Dinosaur University. Michael has a podcast called Paleo Jam and a show playing at the Adelaide Fringe Festival about foundational paleontologist Mary Enning. We cover all of these in our conversation. But to get you warmed up, I have a song written by Michael about Mary Enning. The song is called These Curious Things, and it features the vocals of Gemma Dandy. After that, we'll jump straight into the interview. I love to Devil's 
Welcome to Fossils and Fiction, Michael Mills. Well, thank you for having me. No problem at all. You've uh, made a bit of a career out of entertaining irreverent science communication. So what's it like to be Michael Mills? (laughs) What's it like to be Michael Mills? Oh, my. Well, (laughs) that's a... it's, it depends who I am at the time. Um, most often I'm Michael Mills, but sometimes I'm other characters mm. and stuff. Um, I suppose at one level, the, 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 the work that I do, um, you know, I mean, I, I, get, I get paid to do my hobby, my passion. Um, and that came about through a series of, of tangents that were never planned. Um, just this idea that, oh, I like this, oh, I like that, I like this, I might do some of that. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's chaotic at times. Um, it's, it's, it's amazing at times because I get to work with some brilliant humans um, and get to work on some really cool projects. Uh, sometimes, most of the time, it's, it's, it's a thing that I've written, um, but other times I get to work with other organisations. So I work with Illuminate, who do building protection, architectural protection. Mm-hmm. And what I love about those projects is that I get to do some of the bits that I love the most. So whereas for many years I would, you know, write, direct, produce, edit, do all the things, it's like it's actually really cool to do a thing where I'm just doing the bit that I love the most – so working with brilliant humans and organisations is part of it. Um, my favourite bit of all of it has always been the writing of it um, and the writing of the songs in particular. I think that's that's the, the essence of the thing and the thing that I always came back to when, you know, as, as I've aimlessly drifted through life, the thing that I kept coming back to is I, I really like this songwriting thing. It's such a cool thing. Mm-hmm be able to do and stuff um and in that in 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 writing the stories and the shows and 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 the other kind of projects you know doing the research is fun um hanging out with real paleontologists going on real paleontology digs uh, doing historical narratives sitting around a campfire on adiamatna country north of here listening to elders and learning things so 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 some so really cool things and one of the downside um is uh is you know a thing like covid comes along and smashes everything mm. and and uh, we know that the arts industry and, and continue to struggle because a lot of a lot of people that have left the industry, um, I haven't. I've managed to bumble my way through, uh, though there was quite a period of time where I'm thinking, I don't know if I'm going to have a house anymore. Like it was literally that bad. Like like when you're over a weekend, that weekend in March 2020 everything's closed down and you're looking at it's like, okay, so museums are closed, schools are closed, all of that. Right. Okay. So everywhere where I work is closed. That means no work. That's interesting. Mm. <laughs> that was quite, quite confronting. You responded uh, to that with on, with some online initiatives though, right? Is that, is that where some of your online activity kicked off a bit more? Absolutely. So dinosaur university had always been an idea in my head and I'd kind of, drafted a Facebook page but hadn't published it. For some unknown reason, no one had ever 
registered at Dinosaur University on Facebook, which astonished me. So I had it, and I, and I thought, okay, I need to do things. I need to, I need to. So online, that seems to be a thing that everybody wants to do. Okay, so, and and was doing like a couple of live sessions every week for a while, but putting other content and stuff, and using using the skills, you know, the writing skills, the development of character skills, the, all of those things that you you develop as a through all the other things that I've done. It's like, how do I? And I do not use this word, but I will use it with great disrespect. Pivot. People said, "Well, you have to pivot. You have to pivot. You have to pivot. no, but adapt." I prefer the word adapt. Pivoting just sounds evolve, a bit like perhaps. What's that? Evolve, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, develop. But 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 it was about adapting and going okay, and and it was about trying to literally start trying to stay afloat by just throwing things out into the universe and hoping that something would catch, that something would work in what was a really challenging and crazy time. Um, you know, I mean, the last four to six months has been really good. Um, it's, you, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm still in a place where, you know, there's a, the, the, the reserves that you have pre-COVID, they're gone. So you, you're on much more of a knife edge now. So it's still like, uh, um, but, uh, it, yeah, it, it made for an interesting time, but have created, been able to create a lot of interesting content. I don't think the podcast would have happened were it not for COVID. Dinosaur University would have probably still just been a bit of an idea of a thing. There's more things that I want to do with that. So mm-hmm. and there were some online live broadcasts that we did with Natural Science Week with, uh, I mean, we did some live stuff from the Botanic Gardens from the South Australian Museum, did some videos with the History Trust and the Port Adelaide Council. So all of those kind of things that organisations were looking at, well, how we, we need to do online things. And some of those things people will keep doing. And that's part of the cool thing. So it's like, okay, so maybe as live shows become more and more of a thing, then I've got that stuff, but also these other things that that that, that kind of came along as a result of COVID. That's a very long answer, wasn't it? Yeah, that's totally fine. <laughs> a bit of a rambling answer is totally fine by me. So how did you get into this kind of um, career that you fashioned for yourself, where you're, you're a bit of an entertainer, but uh, you're really focused on the science and you kind of do a little bit of everything with all these different projects going all over the place? How, what was the, the pathway? Yeah. <laughs> Good question. So if I go to a school, I often say to the school kids, that, um, so, so I didn't have a career path. I didn't have a career plan. You can look back and you can see that there was a pathway. Mm-hmm. Um, but looking forward, if you'd said to me, you know, 20 years ago, oh, you'll be like doing shows in cultural institutions and telling stories and telling the story of Mary Anning, doing this and that and the other and singing about fossils. It's like, what? So um, basically I was, I like all performers, I'd, or a lot of performers, my parents were like, oh, that's nice, but you probably need to have something to fall back on. So I did a Bachelor of Business, went and worked at the Housing Trust. After six or seven years, I was like, I don't belong here. This is silly. I don't like them. They don't like me. This just isn't working. So I started doing some uh, amateur musical theatre. And at the same time, there's a radio station, a community radio station. It was called Triple M at the time, but it's now 3D radio. And I, for whatever reason, I walked in there one day and said, hello, I'd like to do a radio show for mm-hmm. children. 
And the station manager's just gone, yes! She'd, Mary had been waiting for somebody to walk through that door and ask that very thing. And so she said, yes, do that. And I remember walking out and thinking, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> I mean, I grew up listening to, to like singing and listening and stuff on, on the ABC. So, but, and radio for me is always a fascinating medium. So then I just kind of smashed this show together that, it's like, oh, I'll, I'll do a song, I'll have a theme, I'll do this. Um, with those, with the themes, I thought, oh, I should phone the zoo and I'll have somebody from the zoo come and talk on the show. Oh, I'll phone the Botanic Gardens. It just happened at the time that the education offices of all of those places kind of all knew each other and all worked with each other. So that then became a thing. The radio show finished and then the zoo asked me one day, oh, could you do like a school holiday thing? And I got, of course I can. And I walked in and I got, how do you do a thing in this place? And because I didn't know what you could or couldn't do, I thought, okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll have a character that, that we meet at the campfire, we go around and see the animals and then we go back and we sing about the animals that we've discovered and seen. And that kind of was the first time that I did – a, a kind of a rotor theatre experience for a, 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 like a site-specific yeah. kind of. And then lots of things kind of came from there. I did a radio interview which came about through a series of accidents with David Bellamy. And, and we were walking through the St Kilda Mangroves and we were talking about books and he said, oh, by the way, I just read The Future Eaters, so Tim Flannery's book. I've just read this. You need to read it because I've read it five times. And so I went away and read it, and I've gone, oh, my goodness. Giant kangaroos? What, what, is this, what is this megafauna that I had never, ever known about? And so never been taught about. So I went away and started writing things about that. And then, then Prof Flint kind of developed from that. Tim Flannery came to run the South Australian Museum. So I went from sitting in a line getting him to sign my book to sitting on a houseboat, having a glass of wine and chatting with him. And then the museum started Paleontology Week. And I just happened to be in the right place when they needed somebody to to deliver public programs and a singing paleontologist kind of went, oh. So all of these paleontologists from around Australia and around the world were coming to Adelaide and we got to do stuff during the days. We got to go out at night and have dinner. I, I, I got to sit with them and talk with them. Mm-hmm. And I remember at one point sitting with, with there's me, John Long, Phil Curry, Rod Wells. So Phil Curry is one of the people that advised um, Jurassic Park. He's, yeah. he's the T-Rex. And I remember sitting there thinking, how did this happen? <laughs> <laughs> how did I get here? <laughs> how did I get here? And I said, what? I'm, what? But 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 what I learned was the importance of the, the 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 veracity of ensuring content accuracy, and that I don't get to do this thing that I do without the work that they do. Whether it's paleontologists or people that work on historical narratives, I don't get to do any of it without their their stories, and and so for me that's been fundamental to how to do this thing it's the 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 content is is and content accuracy um is 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 paramount um it's not good enough to say oh yeah but a pterosaur is kind of a dinosaur no it isn't yeah yeah (laughs) no it actually just isn't and you hear that i mean you've heard that on this podcast uh repeatedly you 
the guests, you know, will be talking about this or that and the other, and it's like, well, pterosaurs, but they're, they're Mesozoic, but they're not dinosaurs, and um, plesiosaurs and mosasaurs and all the same, uh, and then separating them from the, you know, the Pleistocene animals and the, and the predecessors, it's hard to for the general public to do that sometimes, but it's important to maintain that accuracy as well. You're absolutely right. Absolutely. And and you can tell great stories and produce great theatre enter- and entertainment and still get it right. Yeah. <laughs> no? You can, in Jurassic Park, your velociraptors can be the right size and be feathered and still be menacing. Or you use Deinonychus instead because Deinonychus is the actual size of what they have. Um, there's a, there's a, a new movie coming out now which there's already a, a raging debate about <laughs> The accuracies—it's <laughs> just going to get uh, wild. That, that movie is sixty-five, starring Adam Driver. I don't know if you've seen the uh, the trailer, but it's, uh, uh, it's going to be interesting. Um, it's, it's interesting, yeah. You mentioned the the Mary Anning show, and uh, I think maybe this is uh, the second or third time you've been. Hopefully, I'm right there. Engaged with Mary Anning's story, but one of the things that that popped up on my Twitter feed, and the reason I reached out to you and said come and have a chat to me, Michael Mills, is uh, I saw your Mary Anning show, which is called A, a Curious Thing, The Story of Mary Anning, and it's going to be at the Adelaide Fringe Festival uh, in a few weeks as of the time of recording. Tell us about that show. Yep. Oh, okay, now you just cut out a little bit. but I, I was just asking about the Mary Anning show, um, The Curious Thing. Yep. So tell me about the show? Yeah, please. Sure. It's really good. Come and see it. Um, so, <laughs> we'll put links, um, of course, so, in the in the show description. Yep. So yeah. So the the show. So the story of the show, like in in how the show has come to exist, is that for me it was always important that Professor Flint, singing paleontologist, had a science hero, and the more I hung out with paleontologists, it's like it's Mary Anning. It, it's clearly it has to be like this. This is for so many reasons. Um, it, it needs to be her. She is his science hero, and it's 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 it actually works. It's really interesting when I'm with a with a school group or a, a, a group of members of the public at the South Australian Museum, and I start talking about my science hero is my science hero is without saying he or she, and then all of a sudden I say, and when she discovered this, there's, there, there, are, there are occasions where there are people who go, like, what? Because the expectation is that, oh, it'll be a boy. It's Einstein. It's Newton. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, no, it's Mary Annie. And, and so I then, because of the, the circles in which I dwell, then was made aware of a, of a campaign to make a statue of Mary with the Mary Anning Rocks people. And I thought, well, I really should get off my bottom and write a Mary Anning song. So I wrote the Mary Anning song, and um, one of the performers that I worked with, Gemma Dandy, um, she was Mary in the video clip. We put her backing vocals on it. And as we were working on the video, you know, we started thinking, you know, we should we should do an album of songs, like a, a Professor Flint Gemma album where you're the where Gemma's the voice of Mary and and so that became a thing what complicated that was COVID and the fact that she got accepted to study uh at Griffith University to do musical theatre oh what a horrible thing (laughs) (laughs) Uh, how can we how can we record that how do we how do we 
anyway, we, we managed to find a time when she was back in Adelaide yeah. for uh, Christmas and recorded the album. And as we were recording, as these things, these happen, we were recording the album and we one of the, the, the title track of the album, These Curious Things, we stripped it back and just played the guitar and Jim was riffing on it. And we were just like, this is, a, this is like a show. This is, there's a cabaret kind of show in this. So the, the, the idea of a show then kind of evolved from the album. With Gemma away and not able to do the fringe, we started thinking, well, do we, do we get somebody to be young Mary, which is what Gemma is on the album, and try and be Gemma's Mary, or do we think differently about this? And that's when it was like, no, it needs to be, let's, 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 let's have this as older Mary, Mary in her mid forties. She knows she's not well. She has an opportunity to look back and explore and, and talk about her legacy and some of the things that she's gone through that young Mary wouldn't have known about. So, um, and Michelle Nightingale is a performer that I've worked with and it was a no brainer to go, ah, yes, of course, Michelle would be the perfect older Mary. Um, Michelle's also a cancer survivor. So brings a really interesting perspective because Mary died of breast cancer when she was 47. Michelle brings a really interesting sense of that mortality. We're keen, though, that that's not the, the dominant thing in the story. The story is very much about, it, it's about two things. It's about the remarkable discoveries um, so you get an insight into the plesiosaurs and the ichthyosaurs and, and things like the, the amazing props that we've got. So there's that. But it's also about some key moments in the the challenges that she faced, but also the cool things that happened and the friends that she made. And, and um, so um, I think it um, is an is a opportunity to... Yeah, explore her story um, and explore her discoveries, <clears throat> and, um, and and I love it. I love it. It's funny. You, you write a thing and you're like, "That's really cool." So, am I being am I being like a, a knobhead? But <laughs> am I being like? But but so there's seven new songs. Um, there's three songs from the album um, that worked, and, and there's one. So there's a song, beautiful song on the album that. Gemma sings about um, about her dog, about Mary Anning's dog, my dog Trey. And everywhere that I put it in the show, it just seemed like I was putting it in there because it's such a lovely song and it needs to go somewhere. So it's like, mm, does the song about Trey actually make it into the show? Well, you have to come and see and find out. People are going to get there to, to hear about a dog, and and uh, when they go to buy tickets, you can legitimately say, "I'm off to see a man about a dog." <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. But yeah, so I, I think look, it it the 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 story is such a cool story. It's about her challenges. It's about the fact that she wasn't allowed to belong to the London Geological mm-hmm. Society. Couldn't go to uni. She was a poor. Um, came from a poor family, but she knew all of these. She knew the William Bucklands of the world. They came to her. She didn't visit them. They came to see her. Yeah. And, and, and this, you know, she's paleontologists, I think, appreciate Mary Anning's story, but the public perhaps doesn't. Um, 
and the role that she played in in establishing the science uh, and bringing. Absolutely, uh, she was yeah. fundamental to the establishment of the science. And I've got a, I've got you know friends who are paleontologists that sometimes say, oh yes, but she wasn't really a paleontologist. She was like a fossilist. It's like no, she was a paleo, right? We yeah. just let's 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 in any time in like in if she was alive now she would be at a university doing the research she would be funded she would have a phd she would have all of that so if 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 you're saying she wasn't really a paleontologist it's because the only reason she you, you're not classifying her as that is because she wasn't didn't have the piece of paper and she couldn't get the piece of paper because she was a woman. So you know, um, she she was remarkable in in what she did and she persisted. You know, which is she, an important lesson. Absolutely, and and it's a, she's a great role model for um, young boys and young girls. You know, young girls in particular. When I talk to them about the story, they're like, "Oh, really." And she didn't give up and she didn't, yep, but it's a really cool role model for, for young lads as well. Yeah. We've, you already mentioned um, Paleo Jam, your, your podcast. Um, tell me about that. So, yeah, so that came about. I was chatting, often chat with, with the folk at Uni of Adelaide and Flinders Uni, the, the, the paleo sections in, in the two places. And so we, we, me and the Flinders folk were chatting. We wanted to do a project. What's, what's a thing? And I, we'd, we'd talked, you know, through COVID times about doing a, a podcast. And, and I thought, well, let's, let's, let's do that. Let's do a podcast. And there was a conversation for a while about whether – the podcast would be me as Professor Flint or me as Michael. And in the end, I've gone, no, it's me as Michael because I don't, it's, it's not a podcast for little people. Mm-hmm. It's a podcast for teenagers and grownups. Um, it's a, it's a conversation. It's, it's, it's me chatting with my paleo pals um, about the cool stuff that they do um, often on a theme, but, and, and often with, with several people Um but it's uh, just that, that whole um, – and, and it's timed. So it's timed and not edited. Mm-hmm. So we press a button at the beginning that has a timer on it and then the outgoing theme starts when it starts. So, <laughs> More so, like a radio show than a podcast. Absolutely, absolutely yeah. because I, firstly I – you know, because of – I suppose because I've done a bit of TV stuff and, and radio, so I thought, no, I'm, I – I get that some podcasts of whatever amount of time they are. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, you listen to the Infinite Monkey Cage and sometimes it's 47 minutes, sometimes it's 35 minutes. Like, no, I want I want this to be strictly 30 minutes yeah. every episode. I, I listen um, to some podcasts and they'll, they'll go on for three hours <laughs> on some episodes. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a... No, I just... And, yeah, so, as I said, it's a chat between me and my paleo pals and, and it's possible because... I've gotten to know stuff so I can know I've got a sense of some of the cool things that people might want to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but for me, it had to be a conversation. So we don't today, today is the, the, the 10th episode went up. Um, all of the episodes have been recorded with me in the room. Uh, same room as the people. Maybe that's what it keeps being. That means if I want to do an episode with, you know, Phil Curry, I've got to fly to Canada, but, you know, somebody's got some money. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah. So yeah. Uh, what, what, what a sacrifice. 
Thank you. I do. <laughs> I uh, but it's fun. It's fun. And, and I don't listen back to the whole thing afterwards. I just make sure the levels are right yep. and make sure the intro theme and the outro theme are in place, write up the podcast notes and then just put it out there. And, and you know, at the end of it, you know, when you've had a conversation, it's like, yeah, that was a really cool chat. So, so far, luckily, the 10 have all been cool. So great. once you finish listening to this one, uh, Paleo Jam, listen to that one. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll make sure to link to it. You know, there's no, no gatekeeping here at all, Michael. Now, you've mentioned your good friend, Professor Flint, a few times. Uh, what can you tell us about the professor? Uh, he's, 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 he thinks of things that I don't think of when he's being Professor Flint, because he walks different to what he has a quite a energetic walk, you know, um, I think some of those comedians that constantly pace on, he, he does, he constantly paces, uh, and that's, that's because that's how do you, how do you create these characters? And, and he's a, he's the most defined character that I have. And I love the fact that, you know, Flint can do a show, but then he'll finish the show and, and he can talk to the public about things. Mm-hmm. Um, he can do an inter I can, you know, I can be Flint to be, a, you know, we could do an interview. You could, you could do a podcast with me as Prof Flint one day. Like, and him, the whole, whole podcast. Um, so uh, yeah, it, it's a, fun character to be um and he's much funnier than i am <laughs> literally he'll walk out before a gig and he'll start like riffing with the audience and i'm like <laughs> i have no idea where it's going but that's part of the fun of it what i really uh, love about this conversation and 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 what you do um there is you know i talk to a lot of people who are interested in science communication and i i, I read a lot um, from people who are science communicators in many ways. But what we often don't get is is we get scientists who are communicators and absolutely they're skilled and they they know what they're doing and they know what they're talking about. But when you get somebody who's um, coming at it from the other side of the, the lens, from the communication or the entertainment side of things, sometimes you just bring a different perspective to it. And I think that's what you, you've really managed to achieve with Professor Flint and with the Mary Anning story and the songs and various other things. So, you know, my, my uh, hats off to you, Michael, for for those for that work. Thank you. It's um, look, it's it's fun to be able to play in the space. And there's this view amongst some academic institutions that all scientists must communicate their science. Some of them just don't want to. Some of them just want to do their science, and that's okay. Science needs to be communicated, but like if you just if if we if we impose on every scientist that they must stand up and give public talks and stuff, we will lose some of the best scientists who just want to do the stuff because that's what they love doing. So let them just do the stuff, and you can get whether it's me or somebody else. You know, there are, there are lots of people that can can help in finding ways to to communicate that science, um, and that's the you know I get to work in a really cool space with that and. Good science communication, it's about stories. You know, we are the storytelling animal. Um, I think it was Neil Gaiman that said, the universe is not made of atoms, it's made of stories. <laughs> you know, it is. It is. It's how we, 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 we walk stories, we live them, we sleep them. Yeah. Um, 
we it's how we make sense of things it's it's how conspiracy theories take hold because people engage with the story they have a particular set of values and things confirm the values that they have and stuff so i think there's um, a geographer whose work i love uh doreen massey and um, there's a saying of hers which sticks with me and i use it very regularly in, in my own work uh, and that is that place is a simultaneity of stories so far, so that effectively what that means is is the places that we experience and the way we relate to place and space around us uh, is through the stories that we all tell together about those places. Absolutely. I, look, I, one of the things that, 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 that Prof Lint's narrative kind of involves now is like what are the prehistoric stories of where you live or where you are right now what swam above your heads not not reading in a book about t-rex from somewhere in america what what walked where you now walk mm-hmm. what are the whose shadows do you walk in that crawled or slithered or swam or flew above your head so i love that connecting uh prehistoric stories to, to present stories and of course we live in a country where you know, people have lived here for sixty thousand years. So there's there's those stories, um, not mine to tell, but those stories that are all a part of the stories of who we are. And if we are to be truly uniquely Australian, we need to know all of the stories of our place. We need to know. So where do you live? Oh, I'm on Ghana land. Where are you, Adnyamatna? Where are, you know? We need to know all of those stories. And and the stuff that I do with Flint is is about going back even further and saying, well, what what, what are those stories? Um, and there's a, there's a again a thing I often say to people is that people do not engage with facts or data. If you vomit a bunch of facts at people, they'll be like, yeah, thanks. They will take the facts and interpret them within the context of their values and cognitive biases. People engage with stories. Um, so if, if you, if you're doing psychom and there's no narrative to it, you're not doing psychom. you're just vomiting facts and that's great. That, that means that, you know, lots of things, but it's not going to be effective. So I think that's a really important thing that I've learned in all the years of doing this that, you know, um, don't just give people a bunch of facts and expect they'll go, oh, I see. <laughs> oh, of course. Right. Yes. Climate change is real. You have given me those facts and now I've changed my mind. It's like, yeah, that's not that's not how that's not how humans work. And to do psychom effectively, you need to know how humans work. And, one, you know, going back to the stuff we talked about at the beginning, um, you know, writing songs. I mean, songs are micro stories. Songs, music is a unique art form in that, you know, we carry it around in our heads. I get my own song stuck in my head, so I can't blame anybody else. But, you know, you can go and see a show and then you can go and listen to songs on Spotify from the show or you have the songs humming inside your head so that you, you continue to carry that narrative. Um, so, yeah, I, I think um, sing more songs for science sing for science <laughs> michael i actually think that's a perfect point to end on thank you so much for sharing your stories with me today oh absolute pleasure thank you to michael for that wide-ranging and fascinating chat i hope to do some more work with michael and professor flint soon and i hope you'll stay around for that more details about michael's work and a link to tickets for his mary anning show are in the show notes 
Thanks also to the South Australian Museum. Make sure to check out their exhibition, Six Extinctions, until February 5. Welcome back to my show, Fossils and Fiction, for 2023. I hope you'll stick with me for the year. Thank you for listening to the Fossils and Fiction podcast, produced by me, Travis Holland, with the support of Charles Sturt University. The podcast theme music is Sonora by Quincas Morea via the YouTube audio library. Find more content on our social media channels, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. Show notes are available on the website fossilsfiction.co. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcasting platforms. 